five years after saving New York City from destruction by the demigod Gozer, the Ghostbusters have been sued for property damage incurred and barred from investigating the supernatural, forcing them to shut down. However, the discovery of a massive river of ectoplasm and resurgence of spectral activity forces the Ghostbusters back into business. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Hi, welcome to the Christmas Time in the City podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Chris. Before we get started, be sure to follow us on social media. We're Christmas Time in the City podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and our YouTube channel. Be sure to check out our website, christmastimeinthecity.com. That's where you'll find our show notes, videos, and interactive maps featuring filming locations and iconic Christmas attractions throughout the city. And as always, feel free to email any questions or comments to us at christmastimeinthecity.com. All right. We're back. It's October. We're making our way through the burn months. Yes. We wanted to do something a little different this year or this uh, this month and talk about a movie that shaped the perception of New York for so many. And that movie is Ghostbusters 2. Woo! Ghostbusters we're, 2. We're, we only deal with sequels here in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Home Alone 2, Ghostbusters 2. Yeah. It's a good theme. <laughs> and to help us, we called on a fellow Christmas podcaster to, to uh, chat with us. So we want to welcome the totally rad host of Totally Rad Christmas podcast, Jerry D. Hi, Jerry. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, we should say before we get started that this is the second part of a crossover that we're doing with your podcast. If you want to tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Or it could be the first part. I don't know. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Uh, yeah, so you guys, um, you guys were on my show and we did, we kind of covered this film as well. We, we talked a little bit about the first one also, but really we, you know, we just do what, what we normally do on my show. We just kind of hang out and talk to them films in general, especially Christmas films. And, and we, yeah, we covered it and did my little segments that I have where we did our best impression of our least favorite part and a few other things uh, that I really love to do. But uh, it, it was a blast, and I can't wait to get into it on your show. And if they're listening to your show first, then, yeah, come t- and check out my show as well. Yeah, we just recorded it one moment ago, and it was fantastic, so I'm <laughs> sure you'll enjoy it. Yeah. All right, so we have lots of, lots of stuff to get to, so I guess we'll just start at the beginning. Let's get to it. I wanted Before mm-hmm. we got into it, I wanted to talk about a few movies that came out in 1989, just so we can get a kind of a barometer as to the level of movies that were coming out in, this, right. in a single year. We had Batman. Yes. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. All right. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. All right. We had Back to the Future 2, which was absolutely huge, which is crazy. Yeah. Indiana Jones and Last Crusade. All right. Now you probably should stop. No. One more. What is it? UHF. All right. This is a- <laughs> <laughs> Classic. This yeah. is a pretty good year. <laughs> it was a good year for film. I remember seeing most of these movies. I remember absolutely seeing UHF in the movie theater. Right. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Home, or talking about home Alone 2. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was a, that was an earlier pocket. We're talking about Ghostbusters too. Ghostbusters too. So we're uh, picking up five years after the first one left off. Mm-hmm. We're basically they're more or less uh, disbanded and they're kind of doing their own thing. Right. We see um, Winston and Ray who are doing basically birthday parties now, like for yeah, yeah, just like they're going and and singing and dancing with their proton packs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see. Peter is a TV show. Ray has a little occult store, which we'll talk about. That's, yeah. We actually know where that's located. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about a lot of things, but we should probably start with Dana's apartment. Yeah. Dana, Dana lives on 77th Street between 1st and 2nd in the Upper East Side. Mm-hmm. And we see her walking th- walking home with uh, Oscar, her baby, and a little stroller. And they run over some goo. Some slime. Yeah. That's where the movie opens up. It just kind of gives you a little foreshadowing of the whole movie. You know, that slime coming seeping through the sidewalk and uh, she rolls right through it, right up to her apartment there. Yeah. And then that's when the first chaotic thing happens and the stroller just the stroller just takes off off. (laughs) down the street with the baby in it. Right. Eventually she's able to catch up to it, but it's terrifying. Right. And she thinks, who can I possibly talk to about this? Oh, yeah. These four guys from five years ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> got to call the Ghostbusters. Are you saying who are you going to call? There yeah, you go. she knew exactly what she was going to call, and she was going to call Egon. There's only one option. You got to yeah. call Egon. So she ends up going over to uh, see Egon at Columbia University, which is in very, very upper West Side. Mm-hmm. And 
that's where a lot of the uh, university stuff takes place. They, a lot of the first movie as well, they do a lot of the university shots there. Yeah. All, the in, all the interiors, I imagine, are probably in Los Angeles. But mm-hmm. the exterior stuff is all there. That's when we see Egon working on a, uh experiment where he's cranking up the heat uh, to kind of irritate a married couple. Which you, It's funny because you actually see um, Egon kind of taking the role as this, this like evil like tester from the first movie we saw. We saw Vankman doing, right. doing something pretty evil with the, the, the flashcards with like the shapes and stuff. The pain experiment. That's a good point. I had mm. completely forgotten about that. Yeah. So I'm not sure if like maybe, I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. So like it, it's, it's within both of them to do evil things. Yeah. Well, they, um, he's doing experiments to say that human emotions actually affect the environment, which comes back to the whole slime thing too. So it's all kind of connecting. Through yeah. That. You're planting seeds later on in the movie that could possibly be helpful. Yeah. The part I liked, I mean, it, you basically hit on it cause it shows that he's evil is, you know, they point out the fact that the girl, little girl has a puppy and Dan's like, Oh, that's so sweet. And then they finish their conversation as soon as she walks out. He just looks at the assistant. Let's see what happens when we take away the puppy. Yeah. <laughs> like without even a beat. <laughs> um, so that was pretty great. But uh, yeah, Egon has definitely stepped up his uh, evil factor there. Yeah. That, that little girl was actually played by Ivan Reitman's daughter. That's right. I actually just saw that uh, when I was looking things up. I, I was looking through the cast and I was like, oh, because I watched a show with her now. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I didn't even realize, you know, that's a yeah. little girl. That's awesome. His uh, son, Jason Reitman, is in the movie as well. He He's in the scene with the birthday party oh, that's where funny. he says, like, my dad thinks whatever. Yeah. Which is funny because his <laughs> his dad wrote the movie, which is funny <laughs> because Jason is actually co-writing and directing the new Ghostbusters movie. So, I mean, if, if anyone has the, the ability to do that, it would be someone that was involved with it on that level. So. Even if he was like a child, he was also in kindergarten cop too. And I remember he was the, one of the kids that was making out in the teacher's lounge during the fire. So, <laughs> so <laughs> he, had, he played some pretty good. He had, that, he had the opportunity he had some good roles. Some, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially for a kid. That's great. <laughs> so then we can kind of bounce around a little bit. Now we're going to head over to when we see Dana working at the museum that she's working at the museum of art. The man, I think it's called the Manhattan Museum of Art yeah, in the movie, Manhattan which is a very museum vague name for a museum. Which is not a real museum. Not a real museum. Oh. Um. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, it's currently the uh, National Museum of the American Indian. Yes. And so. it's also not located where they say it's located. In the movie, they, they kind of imply that it's the Metropolitan Museum of Art, which is located on the Upper East Side uh, by Central Park. So if you look in the in the scenes where she's like fixing the paintings and stuff, you see, you'll see Central Park in the background. That's not actually where that building is. National Museum of American Indian is located in Bowling Green, which is in southern, southern Manhattan, which is incredibly close to the water. Yeah. There's actually scenes where they have like buses strategically placed so you can't see that they're so close to the water. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, I guess because we've seen it so many times. But and I'm sure, have you seen pictures of um, like the bull, you know, where everyone takes pictures basically by the bull's undercarriage yeah <laughs> yes people tend to do that but there's always this big bull like close to wall street area that pe- tourists always come and take pictures next to that's right in front of this museum like right in the median of the roadway so it's yeah it's not near anything that it says it is but it's got the look of the museum you know and i'm sure they wouldn't have been a very so. long walk went to been a very long walk for the statue of liberty to have to yeah the statue of liberty <laughs> is basically right there on the water yeah so, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to it, I suppose. Yeah. We meet Vigo, or we see the painting of Vigo, and we kind of learn a little more about him. Well, first, you know, let, we also meet... Uh, oh, Janos. Janos. We've got to talk a little bit about Janos and Dana, just in general, that that relationship. It was... I don't know. For me, okay, I'll just give a little bit of background. I had to do... Um, required by New York State, we have to do sexual harassment training at work. And I had to just do it the other day because I totally forgot. And it was just an online thing. And then we watched this right after. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is this should have just been the video. <laughs> like what sexual harassment is. At work. <laughs> it's so bad. Like he's just constantly on her to get dates and stuff. And it was just like horrifying. I'm just like, she, she said no, man. Like how uncomfortable <laughs> could she possibly be at work? So, yeah, he, he I thought that was pretty crazy. Super, but, super creep, for sure. Super sure creep. Yeah. yeah. I think I wrote that on some of the slides, too, at some points. So I'm just like, here he is being a creep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we, t- we touched on a little bit on Jerry's podcast, but Vigo was played by Willem von Homburg. 
but he was not voiced ultimately by him. He was voiced by Max von Sydow, who came in for one day and did all the lines. And uh, Willem von Homburg didn't have any idea that his lines were dubbed over until he was at the premiere. When his parts came up, he stormed out because he was so frustrated. Yeah. Which, I mean, how bad could his accent have been that he, uh, they were like, nah, we can't possibly. I mean, definitely, I feel like they made the right call. I feel like his voice made so much more sense than I imagine someone whose name is Willem von Homburg would, would, would make sense. Hey, if you can get Max von Sido, you get Max von Sido. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. If he was available, it's just for one day, too. So I guess they probably squeezed it all in. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have a crazy amount of lines there. Well, yeah. So moving on, moving on. We're moving over to Raise Occult Books. Yeah. Raise Occult Books, we have a fun story about that. It's located in St. Mark's Place, which is a kind of a hip area of town, pretty close to some universities and stuff. It's where all the kids go drink and buy, mm. like, sunglasses or whatever. I don't know what kids buy anymore. But, like, <laughs> stuff. But, um, We're not kids anymore. Right? I, yeah, no. yeah. don't you all buy sunglasses? <laughs> yeah, come on. Shady Rays, everybody. Shady Rays, yep. Um, or, but we actually went inside of the Rays Occult Books, but it wasn't an occult bookstore at the time. It was a hamburger slider uh, shop. Yeah. So we had like lunch at the place that ended up, but I didn't realize it until maybe like six hours ago. I was like, oh, yeah, I think this is the same place. And it was exactly the same place. So we've yeah, been same inside. Same address, everything. Yeah. We're just like, oh, man, we ate right outside of there so, under an awning. Dreams come true. We had some sliders. Didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's definitely, that's what, like around Lower East Side area, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, St. Mark's area. It's another yeah. kind of touristy destination too. I imagine point. when this was probably taking place, it was a little bit more like kind of like seedy. Yeah, fun, it's like kind of punk rock. That's where like a lot of like the punk rock scene. Yeah, I feel. for sure. So oh, okay. It definitely made sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a raise of cult books would totally fit into that area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have we're gonna skip over a little bit further. We see the Ghostbusters come and talk to Dana. Peter kind of reveals himself at the door, and mm-hmm. they kind of. Check out the baby. That was one of my favorite parts is when they're experimenting or like basically experimenting with the baby or treating the baby as an experiment. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just like measuring him and then checking like his tickle meter, like tickling under his arm. <laughs> that was, was super just, cute. <laughs> it was really cute. And uh, yeah, that was just it was just funny yeah. how they were taking it like so logical and they're very serious about it. But, you know, they were just like tickling a baby. <laughs> so silly. <laughs> so then they they wander out to go see if they can find more readings and stuff and that's when they find in the middle of the street which is 77th and first they find uh very high readings so that they have to come back and dig the nighttime digging scene isn't filmed in new york at all it's actually filmed in los angeles so you're not going to mm-hmm. find the hole there but it's still very new york i mean the whole idea yeah. like when the police stop and talk to them i feel like that was great like it, that's when they get very new york with the cops like peter comes <laughs> like, hey, 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 hey. like why are you talking <laughs> to my boss like it's just it's perfect you know they they, they really bring in the spirit of new york <laughs> into that moment <laughs> this is when they lower ray into the hole to get check out and see what's going on with the ooze this is where he got, almost gets like swallowed up by it it's funny they actually changed the color from the first movie. If you remember, like when uh, Peter gets slimed by a slimer, it's like a clear slime. Mm-hmm. In this movie, they made it pink. I'm not sure if it's maybe to sell more little canisters of slime or whatever, mm-hmm. or maybe to make it more visible and maybe make it a little bit grosser. I don't know, but I very very bright pink slime was pretty good choice. I think I, it definitely like feels pretty piercing when you look at it. It, it kind of like, reminded me of those uh, ecto coolers. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Good, <laughs> That's so funny. Good point. Yeah, like, they were probably, I mean, a lot of this stuff was probably also advertisement-wise and, like, thinking mm-hmm. of toys and what can we do this? So it does make sense of pink slime for... Yeah. So, moving along, we have them get arrested because they end up pulling Ray out and he uh, causes a blackout of the entire city with one rusty pipe that he knocks over oh, his yeah. foot. yeah. <laughs> Did you notice how easily that broke too, Jerry? Like I did, yeah. It just it looked like it was so made of cardboard or something, right? <laughs> well, you know, all my old rusty pipes just break like that, so oh my gosh. it makes sense. Right? It wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if things like that happened. Yeah, I mean <laughs> who knows what's under the streets here. Everything is so old and nobody fixes anything. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that it would happen, but it just seemed like it was I mean, the whole city, the power was up in this one rusty thing, but you know, what can you do? So they end up going to court <laughs> yes. to deal with that. And Lewis is their attorney, played by 
Rick Moranis. Yeah. Just recently got punched in the face by someone in New in, York City. In here in New York City. It's horrible news. Pretty close to probably where Dana's apartment is in the first movie. Uh, I think it was yeah, around he was, that area. It was in the Upper West Side. That's what that was where he <laughs> oh, was. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, it was like it was like a block away, wasn't it? Yeah. Something crazy like that. It was like that seems like he shouldn't be hanging around there. He was probably looking for the the gatekeeper. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, he didn't. He didn't yeah. find him. I, he's an absolute treasure. So yes. I hope, I hope yeah, he doesn't do you... let that let him get him down. I'm how assuming do the person at... that punched him did not think that like know who he was. It was more of a yeah. Just a spur of the moment, random. Just like a random punching, just, you know, which is horrible yeah, regardless, but especially when it's Rick Moranis. Yeah, how do you how do you get mad at Rick Moranis and punch him in the face? Yeah. He's like the sweetest guy ever. Yeah. You know, Have he's you quit acting me? to take care of his family. I mean, no. that's, Chris, Chris oh, Evans had had tweeted that he was like, "My blood is boiling. <laughs> like we need to find this guy." So if like Captain America <laughs> is looking for you, then you know you're in trouble. <laughs> you know you're in trouble. <laughs> so. They ended up the Ghostbusters through crazy series of events, which you can hear in more detail on Jerry's podcast. Totally yeah. rad Christmas. And also hear about my favorite Lewis scene. It's What's your favorite? Oh, yeah. Your favorite Lewis. Yeah. Lewis has some, yeah, <laughs> he had some great Lewis scenes. Lewis is so important in this movie. I'm so happy he was in it. But they, they end up getting back into the Ghostbusting business. Yes. And so they uh, they erect a sign with a ghost with a two up because that makes sense <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right but they're uh 2.0 maybe their yeah. firehouse is located on uh, hook and ladder eight which is north moore street in varick in manhattan that's in tribeca more or less you can go check it out they don't have the sign out they have the sign inside up against a wall so you can check that out they also have a mural painted on the ground which is kind of a version of the the ghost from the ghost from the ghostbusters logo but he's holding like fire equipment. Right. So it kind of like taken that into made it more of like a, a firehouse version of it. Nice. Yeah. So, but it's definitely yes. a spot where people come and take pictures. So yeah. it's a, it's a good spot to hit up. So then we start seeing these clips of very erratic driving with the Ecto, the Ecto two, I guess. Is that what it is? I'm I guess it's the Ecto two. Yeah. We'll yeah. call it Ecto two. It seems so weird to call it that. Ecto one A. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll go enterprise with them. Yeah, it's it's, it's like if uh if Samsung made the Ecto. <laughs> the Ecto one A, the Ecto C four. But so uh so they say you see a lot of erratic driving, which we'll come into later into play, but these were scenes that were taken out of context for another thing. And we also see a scene that kind of inspired this whole thing, this whole talk about Ghostbusters too. There's a scene where the Ghostbusters at this point it's more or less Christmas in the timeline as as far as what time of year it is they're wearing santa hats yeah so that was more than mm-hmm. enough reason for me to be like all right we're definitely going to cover ghostbusters too in this yeah. podcast so you can thank that one specific scene for us doing it <laughs> just the santa well, hats. thank you for coming <laughs> on my show because of it yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah we spoke a lot more about how this is a christmas movie in jerry's podcast yeah, but it's, every it's, scene is filled with christmas it's way more and, a christmas movie than i thought yeah even if it's not in your face there was christmas in the background of almost every mm-hmm. scene yeah so. i mean it's not like a yeah there's no like linus moment i don't I mean, there, I mean if i thought about it i don't have any idea it's not even worth talking about <laughs> <laughs> and then we end up seeing uh some some hijinks where the ghostbusters are catching ghosts they're catching a, a running ghost mm-hmm. over in central oh, park like the jogger mm-hmm. yeah the jogger which is I, that one remind that that stands out to me for some reason. When I was a kid, I remember that specifically. I'm not really sure why. It wasn't really scary, but it was just uh, just a weird weird scene. Maybe because they're all like incognito, you know? They're they're Maybe. wearing like because yeah, like, they're usually wearing the jumpsuits most of the time. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it, if it would have worked if they were wearing their jumpsuits. I feel like it's also not a very <laughs> scary ghost. Like yeah, it's, it's just not a very a scary ghost. So like you're probably you know it's like why are they capturing this like just it's just a normal person jogging, but they just have the see-through effect going on <laughs> they're just a ghost yeah ghosts gotta keep fit cardio is important yeah <laughs> and then we see a weird scene where they're uh they're fighting uh jewelry levitating ghosts with lasers yeah. and and then at some at some point they do something where like everything just falls on the ground i think it's like crystal or something mm-hmm. and just, i don't understand that at all. it made absolutely no sense no <laughs> i don't know what happened there but i liked it right it just i, it I wonder cool. if that's like another scene and they just put it in the montage but yeah. never like actually <laughs> expanded on it you know well i know there were a montage. lot of reshoots there they did because mm. uh, i guess the original version that was tested really poorly and so they they went back and did some reshoots and added some things and took out yeah. some things so i wonder if that was maybe something that was mm. that's i don't a know good point. Yeah. definitely seems like a 
It could have been inserted in anything. Yeah. We have a couple deleted <laughs> yeah. scenes that we'll talk about yeah, later. Yeah, we can talk about a deleted scene now, actually. Oh, yeah. It starts out, the next scene we see is um, oh, yeah. Lewis meeting Slimer in the firehouse, and he's eating a bunch of stuff. And then there's a deleted scene that you see Lewis strapping up a proton pack later on to go capture Slimer, because the, the Ghostbusters are out and about. So Lewis pack, straps up. He's startled by Janine when he's right about to hit Slimer. And then Janine says, oh, him, he's all right. Yeah, like, he's all right. He's, he's not a big deal. He's just whatever. <laughs> Which basically canonizes, at least kind of makes it more possible for the idea of a friendly Slimer to be involved in the right. in the movie. Because basically he's he's hanging out, it's eating and stuff. You see him later on driving the bus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's a bit of uh, trust established there. It's not just this like weird scene where he, Lewis goes to get on the bus and Slimer's driving. He already has, so he knows like Janine vouches for him. Right. <laughs> so Which makes, makes sense considering the cartoon because yeah. he hangs out with him in the cartoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's much more yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's much more of like kind of like a like a pet sidekick kind yeah. of in the, more of a sidekick <laughs> I guess. I guess in this he's more of a, he w- he would have been more of a pet. I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, I thought that that would have been a good addition to yeah. the movie. And they uh, more. It's also worth mentioning that uh Slimer was kind of used to kind of memorialize John Belushi, mm-hmm. who was originally supposed to play Vankman. But he uh, passed, and so they kind of had to redo things. And so, like, there's a kind of a lot of like the Animal House qualities of like Slimer eating and being this kind of gross and farting. They kind of wanted to give him <laughs> a, an opportunity to kind of still be kind of part of the universe. So that was kind of fun too. Rick Moranis said that this was one of the only movies that he didn't ask for any of the wardrobe afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, well, he did like he did like uh, the Flintstones. That's so funny. So oh, no, he has like. <laughs> I mean, but that's a pretty iconic outfit. If See, you're I would have asked, you, right? I would have asked for like the you know the outfit, the oh, the jumpsuit at least. Yeah, right. Because he did end up putting on the jumpsuit. Yeah, I think he had Winston's on, if I remember oh. correctly. I mean, who cares? It doesn't make a difference. You know, he didn't have his own yet. Yeah, that, I definitely true. would have asked for that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, then we get into the weird scene with the dancing slime. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's weird. It's so weird. It is weird, but I love it. I love it too. And, and it absolutely does not hold up. If you look at it from like a fresh perspective, you can definitely see like the cord is so thick for on, on the toaster. That's something is there, there's like the pneumatic things that are oh. pushing it and flicking it. It still looks cool. And like gotcha. and, uh, the toast pops out. The gag is that it, it really loves Jackie Wilson. Right. <laughs> I, mean, I can't hear that song without thinking about a toaster dance. same here right yeah like, i mean as soon as I, it comes on it's just like oh yeah no. <laughs> although one thing we didn't mention because we you know we kind of glossed over this on my show but i'm glad you brought it up so you know at the end you're right it ejects the two pieces of toast mm-hmm. but he had poured that slime in the middle so presumably oh. those toasts are now you know those pieces of bread are now covered with slime as well which is oh. kind of gross i don't really remember them putting toast or putting bread in what if the toast was some type of coagulated slime no, slime because i don't remember the toast going yeah. either if yenos if can come up looking like a like a nanny like a nanny yeah. and the t- then, then slime can start looking like toast this is the, this is the universe they've built yeah it's canon I mean, <laughs> yeah. gotta believe you know <laughs> then uh we, we kind of not too much longer after that we get to the scene with the bathtub mm-hmm. that has scarred me for life and it kept me from having baths for a long time it's t- absolutely terrifying the idea of like this, like, and it, it almost looks like um, strawberry shampoo. Right. Yes. Right. You know? Like the milkiness of it, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the kind of like shampoo event. my mom uses, like VO5 or VO4, <laughs> not even VO5. <laughs> like stra- strawberry <laughs> flavored shampoo from VO4. <laughs> so maybe I had more of a connection to it for, because of that. Because like that was always like, I would always see those bottles of the shampoo. Like, oh my like, gosh. This is definitely going to happen like, in my house. stuff is in there. He captured the slime, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so after the bathtub incident, Dana and Oscar travel to Peter's apartment. Mm-hmm. And Peter's apartment is on Broadway and Bleecker Street. Pretty nice neighborhood. Yeah. He has an entire uh, studio apartment. Which I, I love the idea of studio apartments and you see them in movies. Like I remember seeing Big for the first time and just being like, that's exactly what my apartment will look like as an adult. Yeah. And then you come <laughs> to New York City and you go, oh, I live in a closet. Yeah. I, I have no room for a trampoline or a Pepsi no. machine. Peter's apartment is amazing. Like it is, it's everything. But I bet you anything that place is probably split into about maybe four apartments now. <laughs> Like there's no way that they're someone's paying yeah. rent for that amount of space, and they're all probably paying what he what he was paying. Especially for, someone for like that just like is a what a TV show host for like 
a psychic show on probably public access. And he's also like. probably in debt too, because he was sued by the city. Right, right. <laughs> sued so, by everybody. There's no way he lives in that like penthouse looking studio um, on Broadway, but you know, it's he's got to have a nice place for yeah. them to come. This is also one of the scenes we see. He has a Christmas tree in his apartment. He does, which is nice. It's another little mm-hmm. like like a sprinkling of Christmas, which is always nice in a movie, especially one like this. <laughs> and so then they uh, they kind of put the pieces together and they realize there's a connection between the painting and all the the bad stuff that's going on. So they just Ghostbusters go to check out the painting itself. That's when Ray ends up getting possessed. Yes. So what happens is Ray, this is all another other deleted scenes. Ray steps up to the, the painting to get a good reading of it. And it's kind of like gazes into Vigo's eyes. Mm-hmm. At that point, Ray becomes sort of possessed. Like Vigo enters into him. And the scenes I was talking about earlier with them driving erratically, those are scenes in which Ray is possessed and trying to, to trying to kill the Ghostbusters by trying to get into car accidents. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Like they cut it out because it didn't make sense. And so like cutting that out kind of made the whole like possession thing not really work either because you don't really see that again mm-hmm. until the very end. In the original story, the idea was that he had been possessed at that point, and it kind of they got it. I think they punched him or something, and then he kind of woke up. One of those things, but it, it wasn't really out of him until right. That was why he, uh, Vigo chose Ray because he still had the connection with him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he would have just chose Ganos or something. Why would they, if, right. if you can't have Oscar, just choose anyone else? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder what kind of changes that would have made to the the whole feel of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think it's needed. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with them cutting that out so instead i guess they kind of made it seem like he's just like quasi hypnotized yeah he was just mesmerized by it or something yeah mm-hmm. it definitely misses a little bit from not having them explain that yeah but it is what it is i guess so then we start then uh peter goes home <clears throat> to talk to dana and he proposes a date because why not why wouldn't you go on a date right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's totally appropriate i know when my child is yeah. you know if, if he almost gets like eaten by a bathtub, the, the next thing I want to do is go on a date. Yeah. So he's like, we, we should <laughs> go on a date. And she's kind of already smitten with him. So she's like, yeah, yeah. Let's, let, let's do it. Love is love. It's going to happen regardless of the times, <laughs> I guess. She does say it's only dinner. It's only dinner. It's not a date. Yeah. That is true. And so <laughs> Even then, though she gets like dressed up like absolutely yeah, to the nines. To the, yeah. She's, she's, really she's, she's, she's ready. Dinner. She's ready to rock. Right. A very nice dinner. <laughs> Oscar's already like, uh, he's almost a year old, probably. Yeah. You know, it's been a while. She's yeah, yeah. She's Get back out there, ready. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get back on the field by going out with her ex. But yeah, <laughs> going out with someone who is not in a good spot. No. <laughs> so then we uh, we we head into the dark room where we see uh, Ray and Egon. Yeah, Ray and Egon mm-hmm. developing photos, and the it's there that they learn that the river of slime is all part of vigo's thing mm-hmm. and so they they're in there and all the pictures start catching on fire it, it creates a sense of urgency that's absolutely on purpose because this like, like we mentioned earlier this is one of those scenes that they they shot afterwards this is a reshoot to kind of make it seem like there's more of a sense of urgency as before like people were, were saying that it seemed like it was much more too much of uh peter and dana and it didn't seem like there was like a necessity like we have to act like right now right so they added that scene mm-hmm. afterwards which is kind of fun i guess it's uh I think it might. I think I feel like all these little micro scenes made me scared of individual things. Like the bathtub scene made me scared of bathtubs. This scene made me scared of developing photos. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> which we don't have to worry about at all nowadays. Not anymore. No. <laughs> I remember in my high school they had a photo developing little room. Mm-hmm. I, I never developed any photos in there. I, I remember it was just like pitch black. And like the idea of like, like I should just, just like I should just red. hide in here during school. Well, there's people there. <laughs> saying school kids. I used to, I did photography. <laughs> I did photography in high school and college. So I was in the dark room a lot. I, I asked if I could have a dark room one day and you said yes. So don't, you can't go Uh-oh. back on that because you're scared. <laughs> I just don't want to go in there. Don't, you just don't, don't have to be in there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't yeah. ever have to go in there. I promise. Why is that? To be Unless red? all but my pictures have catch to on have, fire. <laughs> yeah. You do have to have a fire extinguisher ready <laughs> just in case pictures spontaneously combust. Absolutely. <laughs> So then they go, the three Ghostbusters go find the fourth, Peter, to go try to convince him to go with them down into the sewers again. Mm-hmm. He says no. They actually shot this scene twice. They shot an inside version of it. They didn't actually end up using the scene they used were them talking to Peter outside. And then yeah. we see Dana come out. The scene that they also shot, which is a deleted scene, has Dana kind of coming out from a side room 
but in my mind it feels like it almost feels like what's the point of going on a date at that point because like they are they got ready in the same apartment so it's, it's, it felt like maybe like it didn't seem like much of a a big deal well, almost going out to dinner right? mm-hmm. it's not yeah a date, it's dinner. so like the, I, I feel like having them outside made it feel more of like a, a date than i don't know yeah i think it made it more interesting because we watched the deleted scene and it was funny because all the lines are the same so it's still funny but it's not as interesting you don't have like the rush on the street you know you don't have the people walking by the sounds of the city she's at calling the, the taxi i don't know it just <laughs> it brings it back into like the new york yeah. feel mm-hmm. by being outside it makes it busier and more interesting things to look at rather than just like a cold shot in the apartment yeah when she calls the taxi for sure it's it's like the punch you know that's like the big the the end cap on that thing and so it does yeah. i don't think you're right it, it didn't quite ring true when uh if she didn't say it you know she needed to be on the street and, and just kind of smirk at them and go taxi you know right like, it's good closure Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's like you slowly just shut the door in their face. Like it, it's it's easier to just be like, okay, we're out. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're already outside. Again, poor poor timing for the date. But that's you know, <laughs> definitely poor timing. That's not my thing. That's I don't think that. I mean, this is also Peter Bankman we're talking about here. So well, I don't true. think he cares too much about uh, the yeah. urgency of the slime. <laughs> <laughs> he should have just given her a jingle in the year two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> So then uh, the boys go down into the subway. They, yeah, the, the banded subway track. Winston gets run over by a ghost train. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, <laughs> doesn't move at all. The other two jump out of the way. He absolutely freezes and stands still. Yeah. If it was a real train, he would have exploded. Right. But, uh, luckily, it was a ghost <laughs> yes. train. Yeah, like, why wouldn't he try to move? <laughs> Something. Anyway. <laughs> Frozen with terror. Well, those <laughs> severed heads is oh, a, yeah. another thing. Yeah, that, it, oh, that scared me. Right? That's true. In yeah. uh, Jerry's podcast, we talked about some of the things that scared us or didn't scare us in this movie. And, you know, I forgot the severed heads of that scene. I did too. I right? can... So are there really abandoned subway lines like that? Mm-hmm. There are. There's yeah. one of the more famous ones. It's the City Hall subway line. I think mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want to, I don't remember which line it is. The, the, the City Hall station, it's really cool and kind of like an art deco look. But the way that they had the, the curve of the um, where the train stops, there's too much of a gap for people to, to, to cross or get out. So like they could never use that train station because there was three quarters to a foot of, ga- of gap between the train and platform because, oh, wow. of, because they had it on a big on a big angle. The only way you can see it now that you can do tours, they do it periodically. And I know a while back, if you rode the line all the way to the end, they would tell you last call, everyone get off, but they wouldn't kick you off. So if you if you stayed on they would drive through the city hall station to swing mm-hmm. around to go start up again. So you could see it through that, but only if it was, if it was w- well lit because yeah. they didn't keep the lights on normally. So, but they had like uh skylights so you can see it. If the, if the sun was out, you'd be able to see it. Yeah. And there's also a- um, like abandoned, like the whole stations and stuff like that too. And they do a lot of filming in those areas too. So you have to get special permits from like the MTA mm-hmm. to film on subways and a lot of times if it involves anything that might be either violent or things that you can't really do with other people around, it'll go to these other more like abandoned type of areas. So it's yeah. definitely used in production a lot, too. I don't know if they shot these at an actual abandoned subway or if this this seems more like almost on, I, on, I, on a This stage. looks almost like a matte painting almost like they're like, right. they're kind of like the, the faraway mm-hmm. shots. It doesn't really look real. Yeah, it but doesn't I mean, look like and even like the tracks don't really look it, like it, a subway track. It looks a little bit like kind of like the design of the city hall stations. Mm-hmm. Maybe it, like they took inspiration from it. Yeah, that's what I think too. But it definitely it looks like it probably was just on an L.A. stage yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. We, we zip back over to check out Oscar who's hanging out with Louis and Janine who are yeah. surprisingly not horrible babysitters. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, Janine, I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's a joke or not, but she makes a joke or said something about feeding Oscar uh, French bread pizza yep. and him yes. just passing out. Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't look like Oscar could take it down a French bread pizza. So I'm assuming it's a joke. But yeah, they, they, they did a pretty good job. They ended up making out quite a bit afterwards, <laughs> as you do. She's very forward. Yeah. yeah. I, I liked the relationship she kind of had with Egon in the first one. I wish that would kind of kind of played out more mm-hmm. but I, I think it maybe makes egon more mysterious if he doesn't really kind of mm-hmm. re- relate to any of that kind of thing if he's just so focused on what's going on so yeah the two of them kind of are fun to see as yeah. well lewis is fun doing anything like, like we've already said a million times there's another good lewis line here in their babysitting thing where she says that he's pretty good at this with with the kid like, thanks i practiced on my hamster yeah. <laughs> and then talks about like his mom being his roommate oh, <laughs> like yeah. oh, i used to have a roommate but then my mom moved to florida <laughs> 
Doesn't he say something like, you, you want to play some Super Mario Brothers? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. We could just do a little podcast on lines. That there should be, a, there should be like a, yeah. a Rick Moranis appreciation podcast. There we go. There should be. Someone out there. Hear us. I, I can't take that cause on, but I would listen to it. Yeah, I would listen. <laughs> so then move, moving on, the, the boys finally get out of the slime and they mm-hmm. find their way up to the street level. They crawl out of a manhole. They realize that the slime's making them angry, as we've kind of seen throughout the whole movie. Even the first scene in the movie where we see Dana walking to her apartment, you see people arguing. You're kind of setting the tone, and that like everyone's kind of in a bad spot to begin with. But you see them really reacting because it's just all over them. Eventually, mm-hmm. they realize that the the slime is causing it. They strip off most of their clothes, and then they head mm-hmm. over to find Peter to let him know because it is right now this is a priority one. So they head over to the restaurant that Peter is eating dinner with Dana, mm-hmm. and proceed to get kicked out yeah because they're scaring the streets <laughs> <laughs> <As he says. laughs> i thought that's a really funny way to put it <laughs> all the posh people looking over yeah. like, what? And so after they get kicked Street out doors. they yeah. they make their way over to gracie mansion the upper east side which is where the mayor lives and i was thinking about this um when i was watching the movie and i'm not even sure if this is a thing i don't think mayors ha- and other places have designated homes they live in right i don't know Jerry, can you answer that about your mayor? Yeah. Uh, Mayors, I don't think so. I think governors do, don't they? There's usually like a governor's mansion somewhere. Maybe. Yeah. I don't. At least then, I don't know. I always see it. Right. right. (laughs) But for whatever reason, the mayor of New York City has a mansion. You can go like walk the like property, Mm -hmm. like guarded or anything. Too much. Maybe the house probably is. But like he has like a legit mansion. Our our mayor has a mansion. That's basically royalty here. So, <laughs> so the Ghostbusters go talk to the mayor to get to the, the bottom of what's going on to kind of ask for help. That's when the mayor tells them that he can't do anything about it. He can't tell people to, to be happy. Or, yeah. Who am I supposed to tell like millions of people to, you know, be yeah. happy? His, his line is uh, <laughs> being miserable and treating other people like dirt is every New Yorker's God given right. Yeah. And I would agree with <laughs> Such that. a good line. I, I think a lot of New Yorkers think that as well. I, yeah, I agree with <laughs> yeah. that. I feel like everyone. That's just what it is here. People are allowed yeah. to be genuine in themselves. If that means that they're allowed to be angry, then they're they're allowed to be angry. <laughs> and so basically, they're shot down. They're not going to be helped. And that's when uh, the deputy mayor, I think we decided it was a deputy mayor, Hardmeyer, he has them committed because <laughs> they insinuate they're going to go to the press or whatever. So he, he has them committed to kind of keep what's going on under wraps, mm-hmm. which does not work. No. <laughs> but at the psychiatric hospital also the doctor is uh brian doyle murray mm-hmm. and it just kind of made me really want to watch wayne's world because <laughs> both him and like hardwire with kurt it just oh yeah of, you know yeah. That, that relationship there I'm oh, sure. kurt yeah. Fuller. yeah yeah, yeah Fuller and, and um they were just both there i was like ah i want to watch wayne's world like they just always have like that weird evil rapport yeah kurt know? fuller played I can only I can only think like maybe like two or three things that he I'm I'm reserving the third thing for what, what I can't think of immediately but all I can think of is Wayne's World in this movie right which is and sad like I mean I'm sure he's done things Kurt Fuller <laughs> yeah oh I uh, see and I know him most from uh, not only the show Psych but also uh, Psych. you know he's he's the the corner but also mm-hmm. No Holds Barred where he's like the the main antagonist so oh. that was like the was movie he the- with Hulk Hogan you know he was ahead of oh the my. other network. Oh, oh gosh. well, that's probably your third thing. <laughs> that would be the third. That, that would be the third thing. Absolutely, that's the third thing. Psych is more my thing. I yeah. watched that and I did like. Oh, I love Psych. Yeah, me yeah. too. A I'm one. a big fan. Characters welcome. <laughs> he said that to me all the time because I love those shows. All those shows. So then, uh, oh, Janosch, yes. Janosch goes and steals Oscar as a ghost, as a ghost <laughs> nanny. Ghost nannies. <laughs> As we talked about Jerry's uh, yeah. podcast. In, in full nanny sense. garb. Why? Yeah. Transparent nanny ghost. <laughs> he goes and picks up Oscar, who's who's wait, waiting for him on the ledge of, <laughs> of Peter's apartment, <laughs> standing very precariously. Oh, Luckily, Janos was there to, to grab the baby. Who knows what happened? <laughs> he I saved his life. Like, right? I, he basically did. <laughs> he could have. I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I know Dana's 
concerned and she's she seems like a lovely mother but don't you feel like you would be way more panicked if your baby is standing on the edge of a tall building i feel like she was just like, i don't even know how to process that that I, scenario because I mean, it's so far-fetched to me I, guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just like kind of just pause there maybe it was just panic i don't know who knows it's the whole situation obviously is crazy she, she just has such a clear head in all of this but she but she knows right? well, she knows that if, that if she screamed that you know he'd mm-hmm. probably turn and loses balance and falls so right. you know she had to she had to play it cool i don't know if i would have known that as a no <laughs> as a parent you know right <laughs> cool. don't let your baby walk off the building oh, it's too much <laughs> so then we we see that the ritual has begun at the museum of mm-hmm. art the generically named museum of art <laughs> the manhattan that, museum there of art. <laughs> there are so many i uh, sorry <laughs> not to be confused with the other museums. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We see all kinds of candles set up. Yanosh must have had a real fun afternoon setting up all the all the lighting <laughs> and the, illumin- <laughs> the illuminations in there. But, and then uh, we start to see the ooze kind of bubbling up and things are starting to go awry in New York City at this point. It's when yeah. we see the, the, the mink coat, the mink coat which is another thing that, was that gave me terrors cool. as well. Yeah. Which that scene itself was filmed for part two, but the idea was actually um, written for part one. They never got around oh. to using it. Nice. So they, they actually found an opportunity to do it. It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> the idea, like, to like, maybe it, it stems from that, but whenever you see like older women, that's usually who you see wear those types of coats with like heads Ew. of the things. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely mm-hmm. what I think of. Like, it's going to come to life at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's going to bite your neck or something. Yeah. <laughs> then the next scene we see the Titanic. Mm. Has returned. Oh, yeah. They made the trip all the way over to Pier 34, mm-hmm. which is almost true. They actually end up on Pier 54 in real life. That was where they, that was where they were actually headed to. The Titanic was headed to mm-hmm. Pier 54, which is a little bit north. But 34, I guess uh, maybe 54 was taken up at that point. Maybe. <laughs> See, and I love that it's Cheech Marin. You yeah. Know, the, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just gives that classic too. Cheech look with his eyes just open yeah. in his mouth, just. Uh-huh. I mean, what, uh, oh, well, uh, better late than never. <laughs> better late than never. Yeah. yeah. So funny. That's good. It was all the complaints coming in. Like this montage is just like phone call, phone call, phone call. Yeah. The complaints happening. And one of the complaints we hear actually in the mayor's office, mm-hmm. uh, I guess at Gracie Mansion, mm-hmm. is the mayor talking about how he had a conversation mm-hmm. that night with uh, Mayor LaGuardia, who was a yeah. previous mayor who would have lived in Gracie Mansion, yeah. who had been dead for quite a while. So at that point, he realizes, okay, I've again, again, he realizes, because he already dealt with this before. Yeah. Like this happened five years ago, something very similar with ghosts and stuff. There's actually one scene where like, someone points out the window and they're like, have you ever seen that before? <laughs> Wait, yes. No one said five years ago I saw that happen. <laughs> 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 yeah it does seem a little strange that after five years people just all of a sudden don't believe it they just assume that like the ghostbusters drugged everyone yeah yeah it was a pretty crazy thing the city went through like some but sort of mass hypnosis or something yeah, yeah. so like, they end up bizarre. getting the ghostbusters out they get all geared up they head over to the giant jello mold yeah. <laughs> it did yeah. look like that yeah to go, to go deal with it they, always room for jello they pull up light it up with the proton packs and the whole deal and they aren't getting anything it's not happening things nothing's working they're going about it the wrong way there's too much negative stuff going on they need to bring some positivity into it mm-hmm. that's when one of them looks down and sees the smallest statue of liberty that you could have possibly like there's a million better ways to, to stick a statue <laughs> of liberty into this scene <laughs> but uh egon looks down and sees on a license plate a little statue of liberty and they all kind of also look down and they all see it and they all think get the good idea that this is how we're going to do it this is how we're going to get people right. to uh <laughs> to give positive vibes and energy and this is where the other deleted scene comes in another deleted scene absolutely which is i think a pretty important one that I'm, i think that it was a good thing they didn't put in it gets a little dark yeah <laughs> there's a little bit of closure for hardmire if you watch it in the actual uh movie Right when they're kind of deciding that they're going to do the Statue of Liberty, uh, limo pulls up, which presumably would have had the mayor in it and actually and the deputy mayor Hardmire as well, who's just only labeled as Hardmire in the in the movie. He's not right. like there's no like first name. Yeah, then. not it's even important. Hardmire. Not even important. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they pull up and more and Hardmire more or less says, "You guys got to stop, stop this right now." And they're like, "Well, whatever." And then he decides he's going to go up and stop it. So in the deleted scene, he walks up to the museum and like using like the power of the mayor's office presumably <laughs> yeah. he tries to make the doors open or make the <laughs> make the slime uh part 
Yeah. Instead, the slime engulfs him and pulls him into the slime where he's just, I guess, absorbed. Yeah, and like his shoes <laughs> get kicked off on the steps and there's like smoke coming out of his shoes. So, so that's like, the end of him. He's basically gone. <laughs> he died. So um, <laughs> that's and the mayor kind of like, and the mayor, like they all paused and just stared at him. And the mayor was just kind of like, whatever you guys need. So that was kind of the, the urgency of it. Of yeah. like, okay, I see how bad this is. You can have whatever you want. If you need the Statue of Liberty, you got it. Yeah, famous last words, whatever you need, and they need the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> they need the Statue of Liberty. Um, I but, hope they put it back. Who knows? No, Actually, they do. They do in the end the credits. It showed um, them, I think, taking pictures of it like on the island. Oh, okay. Well, good. Oh, I don't recall I that. I was, I, was, I was thinking about it. And at the end, like during the credits... Walk afterwards okay so, so somehow Everyone they keep singing because we have to bring it back yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they end up getting over to liberty island which uh geographically wise is more or less in new jersey uh liberty yeah. island ellis island or there's even like a a, uh, a jersey ferry that goes there well not, not even a ferry there's actually a road that you can take that there's like a bridge that i think that's maybe only used for authorized personnel to get things from liberty island to, to new jersey but because they want it to be New York, it's it's in New York, but it's more or less New Jersey. So they get over to the Statue of Liberty. They're looking up. I mean, at this point, this, this is an, another opportunity where we kind of have to suspend disbelief. Yeah. Like besides all the ghosts and everything else, we have to at this point kind of understand that somehow there's a structure underneath the statue that will allow it to be able to walk like a, like a person would walk. Yeah. <laughs> so like keeping that in mind, like if, if you can just get behind that, that's fine. <laughs> so the, they spray it up with all kinds of goo. <laughs> They get up in the top, they control it with an NES controller, which I don't understand how they would have controlled it, but that's beside the point. And they start walking <laughs> the Statue of Liberty towards Manhattan through the water. Right. This is the part. Bring in the facts. This is pretty go. iconic. There's a few scenes when I think of Ghostbusters 2 that I think of, and this is one of the scenes. It's a, it's, it's a scene of them where the Statue of Liberty is neck deep in the water. And they're, they're walking across Manhattan Harbor. Right. So at the time, I, I used to work pretty close to Hudson River. So like I would see like cruise ships and stuff kind of come through there all the time. So I knew that it was pretty deep. And I was like, I wonder how deep it would be, thinking that it was probably much deeper. Mm-hmm. That they maybe they kind of like like flubbed it a little bit so that you'd be able to see the the statue as opposed to like being totally underwater, which wouldn't have played out. But it's exactly the opposite of that. According to depth charts, the deepest part of the harbor that they would have crossed through was about 50 feet. Mm-hmm. Now, from head to toe, not counting the arm, head to toe, the Statue of Liberty is 111 feet. Oh, wow. So it wouldn't have even come up to her waist for the most part. Like she would have mm-hmm. basically just been walking, but it, it looks much more interesting if, if she's buried underwater or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wouldn't have been that far. And also, like I said before, the museum that they were using at least was right there by the water. So they wouldn't have been a very long walk at all. But for whatever reason, they wanted to have the Central Liberty walk all the way uptown to where the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Yeah, so like the big famous art museum that's here, I think they were just trying to make it look like that, give the feel of it. And it, because of that, it has to be like Central Park. That's what everyone thinks about when they think of New York, you know? Well, you wouldn't get the uh, the classic, you know, stepping on a you know police car, sorry, yeah. kind of right, thing. Right, right. Yeah. And just the crowds along the streets and walking yeah. up Fifth Avenue. The crowds weren't that great, building up by the that way, good as well. Cheer. The crowds weren't that great, right? <laughs> there's, only, there's only like maybe two deep in some parts. Yeah. Like, it's like, you yeah. think that there'd be a lot more people out. I don't know. I wouldn't be out. That's terrifying. There's a huge statue oh, walking through the street. All those ghosts. Yeah, yeah I guess the ghosts, went. and then you see the Statue of Liberty with like yeah. an actual flaming torch. Yeah, no, thank you. That's a good point. I'm not getting crushed by the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I would not be out there. So they're headed uptown, the Ghostbusters, in the Statue of Liberty. That's also when we see Lewis headed uptown in the bus, where we meet Slimer again. Yeah. Where he kind of again, he's like, "All right, well, if Janine earlier vouched for him, and mm-hmm. if the deleted scene, it's probably not that big of a deal. That's why he probably got on. Otherwise, I mean." Lewis is pretty stupid. He probably would have gotten on regardless. Yeah. But I feel like at that point, in the way that he actually... stupid. He's gullible. He's gullible, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, see, he, he gets on the bus, they and they head up to the museum, which is awesome, because I it kind of, like, I like the idea of, like, a more of a friendly Slimer. Yeah. And, like, mm-hmm. if, if they would have, like, steered too much into it, I could see how it would have been, like, kind of weird, and, and maybe that belongs with the cartoon. But the idea that they thought about it is still kind of fun to think about. Right. So then we head back into the museum, where we see some of the worst face morphing and face meshing that I've ever seen in cinema where we see basically Vigo's face almost like projected <laughs> on top of Oscar's face. It's it, funny. We were watching Ghostbusters one too, uh, as well. You know, we watched both of them. You got him. Um, 
we were we were commenting about how we thought the special effects on Ghostbusters one were pretty good for back then. We're just like, you know, for what they were, and they was very much like old school movie magic. It just it looks mm-hmm. really good, and then you get this effect that's just like, come on, guys, this is like five <laughs> years later, you probably could have done a little bit better. But I think they yeah. spent all their time trying to get the. Uh... The mink to work. Oh, they, yeah. <laughs> no, that was one of their main priorities. The severed heads and like the yeah, all those crazy things. <laughs> no, but so, I do. I know what you mean. He, you know, you, the in the original. I mean, for me, of course, the the most memorable part, besides everything else, is that librarian, mm-hmm. and they did a great job with that ghostly librarian. Right. And yeah, in in the second one, they're great. Don't get me wrong; a lot of them were great. But yeah, especially that, like you said, that that part where it's. It's kind of, and, and I don't know if they did it on purpose or literally if they just ran out of money and time because they had a lot less time to do this one than they did the first one. But yeah, when it's just kind of like his face or like I, I don't even know it. how to describe yeah. it. it. It's just, yeah, cheap yeah. looking. It seemed like they were probably at the end and like, you know what? Just put it. It's fine. They're, at this point, it's already like an hour <laughs> plus into it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, let the intern take care of it. We got to yeah. do this other shot. Did, <laughs> didn't you guys just see them walk through Manhattan on, in the Statue of Liberty? Yeah. We, like, 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 are you not? Are you not entertained? Yeah. <laughs> Maximus. So we see uh, a distraction because the Ghostbusters are turning up at the museum. Vigo starts to hear the people singing and all the all the commotion happening outside. They're singing "Old Lang Syne." Yeah, because it's New Year's Eve. Eve. Mm, it's New Year's Eve. Because Vigo Vigo had to do it by the start of the new year. Yeah. So that was his. That was his. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he had a he had a deadline. Mm-hmm. So then we see. Uh, I also, before we go on, Peter is instigating Vigo here beforehand to just kind of like because he's obviously about to transfer into this baby and they can't move at a, or anything. So before he's powers start to diminish a little bit. I like that he's kind of poking fun of him about choosing New York City and <laughs> not like, why would you not choose sunny California? Yeah, San, San, Fernando Fernando Valley. Valley. San Fernando Valley. San Fernando. <laughs> yeah, he talks and, about like New York City nowadays and people are just like angry and whatever. Doesn't even say, uh, let's say you, hey, you, yeah, you, the bimbo with the baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bimbo with the baby. Because at, at that point in the movie, like they don't have any, like, any other recourse. Like they're all kind of immobilized mm-hmm. and Dana's like screaming that Oscar is whatever about mm-hmm. to be possessed. And mm-hmm. so that's the only thing that that Peter, that Peter can do. Mm-hmm. You know? So like someone do something, and that's what he does. And it ends yeah. up kind of at least stalling out for a little bit yeah. until he yeah. they, they can they can get up. So eventually they kind of distract him. They get the baby. They zap him up. They get him back into the the. They zap him and they slime him. They zap, like, yeah. zap him. Yeah. yeah. Which which I'm not really sure what the slime would. I guess it's positively react. I mean, not, you think that you wouldn't want to give him like more of his own like more more of his own stuff. stuff. Like, yeah. I, could, I could turn him into like super shredder or something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, that's a whole nother podcast right there. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be continued. <laughs> None of them had Santa hats and Ninja Turtles, right? I don't know. I don't all, I need, so. all I need is one like Christmas it. light and I'm I will devote there the next was a, six months they to They did it. have a Christmas special in ninety four. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. pretty terrible. But uh so, so, so we'll moving on. <laughs> <laughs> So once more, we see the uh, callback to the Ray possession scenes that we saw in the deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. Ray goes back up, and at this point, Vigo is out of options, 100%. He has until midnight. It's not happening with Oscar, so he jumps into Ray. And that's when they decide to, to slime Ray, get mm-hmm. Vigo out of, this, out, of the, out of him. They slime him down. They use that at that point to take Vigo out. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, outside, Lewis is out there shooting the outside of the building. <laughs> Presumably, no one no one outside has any idea what's going on inside. Right. And so they all think that eventually when it, what happens, happens, and then they kind of defeat Vigo, that somehow Lewis is solely responsible for that. <laughs> Which is an, another awesome idea for like a third, where like you see Lewis who somehow become like this superhero amongst New Yorkers mm-hmm. for single-handedly taking down this incredible threat. But that never mm-hmm. happened. But and then, who knows? I haven't seen the the new Ghostbusters three. Maybe that's like a subplot. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I really do. So, so then uh, we see Yanosh and Ray have a really nice moment. Yeah. They're super positively charged. They profess <laughs> their love for each other, yeah. even if only like as as friends or whatever else. It's still lovely to see it. It's nice that you can see that like Yanosh is kind of redeemable. 
He's he's kind of a creep, but yeah, he's still a creep. But yeah, he's got some good tendencies. <laughs> yeah, in there. so good good on him. And that's just don't when... get him around women, and we're good. <laughs> that's not a good thing. Now. Come on, <laughs> yeah. you can't just like say like just well, he's, he's cool as long creepy. as you keep him away from women. Well, <laughs> I don't trust him. <laughs> and so they uh they realize that the painting has changed. They look over and see the four of them, very muscular versions of themselves, all yeah. around Oscar. And it kind of just ends like that. But when they're talking about it and they're saying like what it looks like, the artist and everything. And then Peter says, I believe it's one of the fettuccines. Yes. (laughs) I thought that was really good. Nice little close of line out there. (laughs) And then everyone, yeah, is outside celebrating their victory. It ends positively. Like we were saying in your podcast, Jerry, this is what makes it a Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. That positivity at the end, everyone comes together. They sing a song to defeat the evil and they've they've come out on the other side happy ending Mm -hmm. fade to black Mm -hmm. black. and then they have a big old dance party and apparently parts that you missed that they turn their credits when they're by the statue of liberty yeah (laughs) i i check out with the with the credits i don't care about the key grip (laughs) that's it uh i work with a lot of those people so i like i like looking all i care about the key master not the key grip there you go i'm I'm with you nice listen that movie wouldn't happen without that key grip (laughs) <laughs> did you ever um did you ever play Ghostbusters a video game from 2009? Yeah, no, but I watched I <laughs> it's one of those things where it's, um yeah, like I watched all the cutscenes. I usually yeah, end up doing too. that. It's a little easier than playing the game, especially now with like the consoles being like $700. Oh, it's it's easier for me just to go and just like watch someone play a game for a while, so I I do that. But I, I did watch that and that ended up kind of being like kind of canon, which is kind of fun. Yeah, it's essentially like Ghostbusters 3. I mean, I know now that, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife is coming out, but uh but yeah, it was written by Dan Aykroyd and, and, um, Harold Ramis. And of course, all the, the voice cast came, you know, all the, all the cast came back to do the voices. And it was really exciting. And, um, and, you know, I kind of wish that they had actually done it as a movie because I think it would have been perfect. It would have tied up the trilogy, you know, right. in such a great way. Oh, but, that's really cool. Well, well speaking of trilogies, I, I don't have much information about it currently, but besides that, I know that it kind of exists maybe in a, in a follow up episode or in like a, someone wants to write us a mailbag question about it but there there was kind of a third ghostbusters movie that was written and kind of brainstormed with ivan reitman and dan Aykroyd that eventually ended up becoming a movie without the ghostbusters called evolution with david duchovny oh yeah <laughs> so if you if you look at it, there's a lot of similar characters they end up dealing with with uh aliens more but it's this sort of sort of same similar thing if you kind of look at it in the under the perspective of it being a sequel to part two mm-hmm. it kind of holds up there's definitely things that were changed about it but the idea and the, the bones of it was the basis for the ghostbusters 3 that never happened awesome i know at one point they were even going to make a ghostbusters 3 that was called like a man helton or something like that and it was supposed to be like where they they get sucked down to like oh. some sort of hell realm or I, something I, like I, that. I did hear about that too yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean, there's so many ways that this could go, you know, so many ideas to throw out there. Yeah, there's so many cool things. Like the idea, we we saw somewhere that originally the movie was was based, like the Ghostbusters movie was based in the future. Yeah, it was supposed to be in the future. They had like these crazy space helmets and stuff. Yeah, like, (laughs) oh, wow. And they they made it like, Mm -hmm. Like I guess, more more present time to make Mm -hmm. it in New York, so. Which yeah. is, I'm, I'm happy to made it in New York. It, it allowed us the luxury of being able to talk about it. Yeah. And I made it Christmas too, which makes it even easier for us to talk about it. We can kind of shoehorn it into our little podcast, which we did. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's it was awesome. places to visit too while you're here. You know, we, we visited these locations before we moved here too. We did. Because, oh, nice. Know, yeah. When, when you're coming to New York City, let's hit up some filming locations for Ghostbusters. And so, so bearing that in mind, if you want, you can look on our website. Like I mentioned earlier, we have an interactive map where you can see all the filming locations of all kinds of movies, whether it be Elf, Ghostbusters, Home Alone. We have most of them there. And if you don't see the ones you're looking for, let me know and I will find them because it's possible because yeah. of the Internet. I will serve as your Google search. Yeah, and that way we can be here for uh, for people like Jerry who will finally come to New York one day. Yeah, you'll have you you'll have a nice around. itinerary of things that you'll want to do. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Fingers crossed. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, Jerry, yeah. Where can we find your podcast? Oh well, thanks for asking. 
So um, I am on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. At uh, let's see, Twitter it's Rad Christmas. The uh, Facebook and Instagram it's a totally Rad Christmas. I do have a website that I have never actually developed. <laughs> so if you go there, it just says coming soon, and it has said that for about eight months now. Nice. But it is coming soon. Great. Sometime. I don't know. So keep but, checking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then of course you can actually listen to it on anywhere you find your podcasts. So, you know, uh, Apple, um, Amazon. Uh, you know, all that stuff, all the places. Stitcher, yeah. Spotify. Mm-hmm. Did an episode a while back where we talked about Scrooge, mm-hmm. which is that another really Bill, Bill Murray movie, which may, may be a theme. I don't know. We only, we <laughs> only talk about Christmas movies, uh, with Bill Murray and his brother, Brian Doyle. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Deal. Although, yeah. although you were also a guest on, um, the choose your own adventure episode. Oh yeah, which is, which is airing. Uh, let's see, is it next week or the week after? It's one of the. It's airing very soon. Yeah, so cool. you'll you'll hear me. Yeah, in a few places. I'm getting around. I'm doing yeah. podcasts. Yeah, you know, <laughs> sometimes I got other things to to do. So Just, yeah. you're, you're holding it up for us. Thank you. <laughs> Just play Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so girls got to relax. <laughs> I, hey, I hear you. That being I, said. Let's let's go ahead and wrap it up. Okay, thank you for coming on, Jerry. I really uh, um. Thanks for having me. Yeah, (laughs) thank you so much for coming. And that's it for this episode. Yeah, this podcast was recorded in our apartment in the Big Apple, New York City. If you like this podcast, please take a minute to rate it and write a review. Let us know you did, and we'll send you some stickers to Uh, say thank you. Yeah, subscribe now. Uh, Follow us on social media. We can keep the conversation going and keep you posted about new episodes. Until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm Chris. And this is Christmas Time in the City. 